Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. I want to talk tonight just for a little bit about uh, the verdict is in. And we've been promising you that we were going to get to Romans chapter 8. And uh, it, we've been saying that for weeks, and, and our credibility is on the line, but we have arrived. It's like that favorite spot that you like to go to, either vacation-wise or maybe to meet a friend that you know it's going to be a great conversation. We have finally arrived in Romans chapter 8. Uh, but to get to Romans 8, it's, it's not an easy journey. Wouldn't you agree with that? We've, we've plowed through some deep water, and we plowed through just recently Romans chapter 7. And boy, uh, that was uh, a challenging time for us to understand what Paul was talking about. And our teaching team did a fantastic job with that. And uh, right at the end of chapter 7, uh, Paul kind of sums up what he is sensing uh, in his life. And so notice what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, uh, there at the end in verse uh, 24 and 25. Paul says, what a wretched man that I am. That was his conclusion in the moment as he's writing to the Romans. Can you can imagine they're reading this and they're sensing, okay, Paul is talking about his wretchedness. And I would say at some level of life, we've all may have had those types of moments where we thought about ourselves, we looked in the mirror and said, man, what a wretched person I feel like I am. But notice what Paul says. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? He's asking himself a question. Notice the beautiful answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. Pray with me. Father, as we engage your word tonight, we do open our hearts and our minds to receive your divine truth. Lord, I pray that we do more than just hear your word, but it is received with that posture of obedience acting and, and moving with you as you prompt us tonight in the scriptures. Father, be blessed and honored. Thank you for what you've done already with our time together. Strengthen and encourage us, fathers. We look to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen and amen. Well, it's been an interesting uh, summer, and I don't know what's been happening at your house, but at our house, there's some unusual things going on. One of those things is that we have had uh, wave after wave, an onslaught, of, if you will, of moths. It's been so bad that we were convinced, my wife and I, that somehow we had invested in a moth farm and they were coming to our place. My wife, from time to time, has come to me with another shirt that has holes in it. In fact, she came to me just before our time tonight and said, look at this, there's more holes in this shirt. So we've had an issue with moths. Now, is anybody else having this problem or is it just, I figured it was just us. It usually is. And so we've had this onslaught and, 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 and by onslaught, you know, we're not overran with moths. It just, one's almost too many, correct? And so a, a while back, maybe three weeks ago, we, we, we woke up early one morning and and uh, we went into our living room, and lo and behold, our friends were already there to meet us. And there were a few on the ceilings, there was some on the walls, and maybe a couple on the cabinets. And, and, and my wife said, that's it. I've had enough. 
I'm, I'm done with the ma thing. She looked at me and tried to drag me into her devious plan and said, Greg, are you, you going to do something about this? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to. I think I'm fine with the moss. And she says, well, I'm going to do something. My wife disappeared. 30 seconds later, she comes back into the living room with this. Most people would say, well, that is some type of shark battery-operated vacuum. Actually, it isn't. It's the Mothinator 1000. And so my wife makes her way back into the living room. I'm sitting on the couch. And this is exactly how the Mothinator 1000 looked that morning as my wife began picking off moth after moth after moth. She turned the switch on. She started with the ones on the ceiling. She made her way to the ones to the walls. Eventually, she found herself in the kitchen. And quite frankly, it was open season on moths in our home. As she was going about her devious plan, and I was watching all of this, I saw something super interesting. I saw as she was literally sucking moths from these places with this end of the mothinator, they were evidently traveling through this portion of the mothinator, which is actually a multi-flex arm, and they were ending up in what we will just call the dustbin. As I looked and watched this go down, I began noticing that the moths in the dustbin were still alive. I was shocked. I'm like, honey, wait a second. Those things are moving. They're still alive. And I don't know if they were moving or, or you know, if the wind current in the dustbin was just moving them around, but they were alive. They were alive and they were well. And she was floored by this. I was floored by this. I didn't want the blood of moths on my hands. And so eventually, my, uh, Sharon just said, okay, we're going to do something about this. I'm like, well, what are we going to do? We got, we got dazed and confused and conflicted moths on our hand. What do we do? We don't, we, we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to harm them. We just want them to leave us alone. And so she takes the mothinator outside, and, and she sets them free. Who knows where they are? Who knows where they ended up? I'm not sure that was the best way to set them free. But they were gone forever. Or so we thought. At the end of Romans 7, we see the Apostle Paul, a man who wrote about half of the New Testament. Seems a little dazed and confused. It seems as if he too has gone through the vacuum of the mothinator and he finds himself in the dustbin of spirituality and he's asking these interesting questions about life and who will rescue him from this body of death. And he seems to be in somewhat of a spiritual tailspin. And then, and then we move to chapter 8, to the light at the end of the tunnel. And it is this amazing chapter 8 where we see in the beginning of this chapter where Paul talks about no condemnation. And then at the end of the chapter, that it's now there's no separation. I want you to see that he begins with no condemnation and he ends the chapter with no separation. It is a powerful, it may be the crowning jewel of Paul's work in Romans. And we're going to be examining this chapter over the coming weeks so tonight, for a few minutes, I just want to talk a little bit about, about the verdict is in and extract a few things, extract some things that, that are applicable to our life in regard to the exchange life. So let's begin reading 
in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, I'll be reading out of the NIV. Paul begins with, therefore. Some scholars believe that that is the most significant therefore in all of the New Testament. Therefore. Now remember, if Pastor Ron was sharing this message, he would remind us, pay attention, what the therefore and why it's therefore. Some believe it is the turning point of this amazing theological treatise on where Paul has been and where he is taking those who read it. Therefore, he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The verdict is in. It is a new verdict. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some believe it is absolutely the most hopeful passage of Scripture in all of the New Testament, this idea of no condemnation. Now, this word condemnation is a rare word. It's an intense word. It carries with it this idea of a damnatory sentence. It is only used three times in the entire New Testament. And here, Paul implores the word. He brings the intensity and the, the rarity of the word katarima into the conversation, and he makes the declaration. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful declaration. It is a powerful verdict. Now, we know in John chapter uh, John 3, verse 16, you're probably familiar with that verse, but verse 17 speaks to this conversation as well because we get to verse 16 and we stop reading a lot. But verse 17, notice what it says, For God did not send His Son into the world, say it with me, to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. Now, this no condemnation is for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. It's as if we have a new spiritual address. We have a new position. We have a, we have a new location. Now, this phrase, in Christ Jesus, Maybe Paul's most favorite significant words. It's used some 87 times in the New Testament, and he's using it here. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are either in Christ or we're in Adam. No middle ground, no in between. Romans teaches we're either in Christ or we are in Adam. In Christ means a multiplicity of, of things, and, and, and theologically and spiritually, but primarily 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What a powerful declaration, right? There's no condemnation. Paul doesn't say Jesus took most of the condemnation. There's still a little residue in your life. He doesn't say he's going to come back and wipe that, that life a little bit. No, no, no. There is no condemnation, not a zilch, zero, none for those who are in Christ Jesus. I hope you are encouraged with that. Does that encourage you? No condemnation. Because Jesus says in John 3, 17, right? I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to set the world free. Very, very powerful. Notice what Paul does. He moves into that second verse of Romans chapter 8, and he says this, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and the law of death. I love this. In fact, this is an old song. It's an old song. How many of you remember this song? There is therefore 
Now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You guys know this one? For the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore. You guys don't know that one? Okay. We'll try it again next time. But look at what he says. Because the law of the life of the Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. When he's talking about law in this verse, stay with me, he's not talking about a written code. He's talking about a principle, a, a force of life, if you will. Do you know in, in the book of Romans, in, in chapters 1 through 7, that the Holy Spirit is mentioned one time intentionally, and there's another verse that some scholars say it's a reference to the Spirit. So at most, in Romans 1 through 7, the Holy Spirit is mentioned twice. In, in chapter 8 alone, the Holy Spirit is mentioned at least 20 times. One time in seven chapters. In one chapter, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 20 times. The, the, the law of the sin and death works in our flesh, but the, the law of the Spirit supersedes the law of sin and the law of death. How many of you are familiar with the law of gravity? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a few of you are familiar with the law of gravity. Uh, one of the great ways to understand the law of gravity, of course, is when you're on an elevator. Have you ever tried this one? When the elevator is going up, have you ever jumped? You, I'm talking about an elevator going up. You're, you're looking at me as if you're not sure what an elevator is. So as you go up the elevator next time, this is your assignment, jump and see what it feels like. Conversely, when the elevator is moving down jump and see what it feels like. See if there's a difference, right, in moving up and how the law of gravity affects that. In 2014, our family, we made a commitment to, uh, to take a family mission trip, and we, we sensed God wanted us to do that, and so we, we, we put it together, and we prayed, and we saved, and, and so we just took this family mission trip, and so the mission trip was going to be, uh, we we're going to go from here we were going to spend uh, a few days in Dubai. There we are going to work in labor camps, and from there on into Nepal and kind of lay the groundwork for what is today known as Collective Hope. And so we, we, we went to New York City. We spent a few days there. And then upon leaving New York City, uh, we make our way to the gate of JFK. And at our gate, as we gaze out the window of that airport, we see an Airbus A380. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an Airbus A380. If you have, would you raise your hand? Okay. All right. Three of us. Fantastic. All right. So an Airbus A380. Can you bring that up, Alyssa? Here's an Airbus A380. Uh, it is a double-decker jumbo jet. Holds over 500 passengers. This is Emirates' version of it. So as we look out that window at an Airbus A380, you begin to think, now how in the world? How can it possibly be? I'm like, son, come here. Have you seen this? How is that going to possibly fly? Fully loaded passengers, cargo, fuel. An Airbus A380 weighs 1,265,000 pounds. It is propelled by four engines, each producing over 70,000 pounds of thrust. You can look at that airplane or any plane you've been on, a large airplane, and think, how in the world does that supersede the law of gravity? 
It's same in our journey with Christ. This is what Paul's talking about in verse 2. He's like, there, there is the law. There's this law of sin and death. We're not saying it doesn't exist, but what we are saying is that the law of the Spirit supersedes, is more powerful than the law of sin and death. Look at what he says in verse 3. Paul says this, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. Say that with me, will you? God did. God did. What did God do? God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so He condemned sin in sinful man. As I was working through these first four verses, and that's all we're doing this weekend, I noticed something here is, is I noticed the work of the Trinity. I, I noticed the work of the Son, I noticed the work of the Spirit, and I noticed the work of the Father. You see that in these first four verses? You see the, the, the work of this, this divine collaboration, if you will, of what Paul's talking about. So here in this verse, he's, he, he's talking about that Christ has come, he's come in the likeness of sinful man, and he's done that. He's done that. And he has condemned sin. And notice what he says. I, I want you to see this. So, so God did this by sending his own son in the, in the likeness of sinful man. Jesus was sinless to be a sin offering. Now, I want you to notice the next phrase in the, in the verse. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. I, I want you to see that. so important that we see that. Is that he condemns sin in sinful man. Christ condemned the sin that condemned us. I want you to hear that. Christ condemned the sin that condemned us. The sin that put us under the sentence of condemnation, the power of our risen Lord put that same sin under its own sentence of condemnation. I want you to see that, that Christ has condemned the sin in sinful man. Sin is like the big bad bully on the playground. The big bad bully is the big bad bully until the big brother shows up. And when the big brother shows up, the big bad bully is not the big bad bully that they thought they were because the big brother has showed up. By the way, Romans 8, 29, the scripture says that Jesus is our elder brother. He condemned the sin. He doesn't condemn people. Jesus frees people. Do you realize that? He doesn't condemn people. There's a story in John chapter 8 of a woman. She's caught in the act of adultery. You, you may be familiar with the story. But at the end of the story, they bring the woman to Christ, right? And he's standing there. She's there probably on the ground. Jesus writes something in the ground. There's this conversation. He looks up and he's like, where are the accusers? Where are those who are here to condemn you? She says, there, there's no one here to condemn me. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Verse 4, as we close the conversation, look at what he says. This is all happened in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Let me stop there. The requirements of the law might be fully met. Paul teaches in Romans 7 that the law is good, it's holy, and it's righteous. He mentions those three things about the law. 
the other things we know about the law is that the law helps us understand what sin is at work in our lives. And the law is also a tutor leading us to Jesus Christ. And, and so Paul's talking about the requirements of the law here. They are met not by us observing the law, but by us surrendering to Christ. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 4. He says that this, this righteousness of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. The law can never deliver what the law required. Wasn't the law's fault? Paul teaches it's the sin in us. By the way, this word live, walk, Greek word peripateo, means to conduct one's life. And so notice what Paul says right here at the end. He says, listen, these requirements are met in us for those of us who don't live according to the sinful nature, but arrange and orchestrate our lives around the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. As we move forward in Romans 8, we're going to learn a lot more about the Spirit. We're going to learn a ton about the Spirit. It's maybe Paul's key theme in this chapter. But right now, I want you to know that the verdict is in. If you are in Christ, no condemnation. If you are not in Christ, Scripture says you're condemned already. How do we know if we're in Christ? Paul teaches in Romans, I believe it's 8.16, that we know that we are in Christ because His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are His child. So as Paul closes up just this first part of the conversation, let me ask you tonight, maybe, maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're watching on TV, and maybe you're feeling possibly like one of those moths. You got sucked into the Mothinator 1000. You found yourself dazed, confused, frustrated, angry. You find yourself worried. You find yourself fearful. You, you, you find yourself with no direction, no purpose, no meaning in life. You find yourself in a place that, that feels like it feels like a place that, that you've never, maybe you've been there before. Maybe, maybe you're in that space. And, and maybe tonight, maybe this weekend, the step that you need to take is to understand that Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came for us. And he, he gave his life. And on the third day, the Scripture says that he rose again, that we might find life in him and have meaning and purpose, and, and that we might find that eternal life that he promises. And so the most amazing news that we can ever hear is no condemnation. Amen? There's no more amazing news coming to your life. Then Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation. It's the new verdict. It is in. Those in Christ are not condemned. Those outside of Christ, the Scripture teaches, are condemned already. You say, Pastor, does God, would He send me to hell? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He doesn't send people to hell people refuse to believe in Jesus. You refuse to believe in Christ. Listen, I just want to encourage you as we close this time together, is no condemnation, is that the echo of your life, of your spirit? 
What would it look like for you to step across the line of faith and just give your life to Jesus right now? I mean right now. If you're watching online, just do it right now. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. Just admit that you need Christ, right? Admit that you violated his law. Believe he is who he says he is. Confess him as Lord. Turn your life over to Jesus. It is absolutely the best news you've ever heard. No condemnation. And Jesus invites us in to this life, this amazing life in him. If you want to do that here in the room, maybe you're here tonight. You're like, well, I wasn't expecting this, Pastor. I was, I was just showing up. Cool. God brought you here. You're like, well, I'm, I attend church. Now, Paul doesn't say those who are in church, right? He doesn't say those who give, those who attend small group, those who do good things. Those are fantastic things. That's not what he says. He says those who are in Christ. It is a positional authority of justification. Tonight, as we conclude, I'll be here at the front. I want you to come up and say, Pastor, I want to cross the line of faith with Jesus. If you're watching online, email me, please. Greg at discoverypointaz.com. I want to start a conversation with you about Jesus. If you have questions, cool. Send them to me. Let's start a conversation. If you're in the room, I encourage you to do that. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you're already a believer, I have a little, a little challenge for you. If you're a believer, I want you to do something for me this week. I want you to take that little white note card. It's in a chair. It's close. If there's a one in a chair close to you, I want you to take that card. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin doing this. This week's challenge is to begin each day, each day surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Seven days. I want you to just, what's that look like, Pastor? Here's what it looks like. It's on the screen. Ephesians 5.8 says, be filled with the Spirit, right? Be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a little bit of nuance going on in the verse, and, and, and the nuance is this. It says, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, in, in the verse, it, it is, in the original language, it's, it's in the middle voice. In other words, it, what, what you're really saying is, allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit. That, that's probably a little better translation. So, so Ephesians 5.18 I want you to write it on that card. You can write out the verse. You can write out part of the verse. You can just write out the reference. And then, every morning for seven days, uh, let's go to the next, next slide. Listen, every morning, what if we acknowledged, surrendered to, listened to, and obeyed the Holy Spirit? Okay? Every morning for seven days. Put that card on your mirror, put it in your car, put it somewhere, put it on your refrigerator door. Put it somewhere where you every day, this is your challenge. Acknowledge, surrender, listen, and obey the Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to learn a lot about the Spirit in Romans chapter 8. Feel free to read ahead, and let's together discover what God wants to do in our lives. Charles Stanley said this, and I close with this quote. The question is not, do we have all of the Spirit? The question is, does the Spirit have all of us? All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for our time together. The verdict is in. There's no condemnation. We stand faultless before your throne because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I pray for people hearing this message in the room right now. Maybe they've never crossed the line of faith. 
Maybe they've never taken that moment and said, Jesus, I give you my life. I admit my need. I admit I violated your law, the Scripture calls sin. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you're God's son. And now I want to confess you. I want to give you my life through public confession of faith. If that's you tonight in the room, please don't leave without having a conversation with me. Please. Please don't leave. If you're a believer, I challenge you for seven days to take that little card or something like it and just memorize Ephesians 5.18. Just, just take that port. Be filled with the Spirit. I want you to acknowledge, surrender, listen, and obey the Spirit's voice this week. Father, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, we ask all of this. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.